Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. I am one of your hosts, Erica Pierce, joined as always by Eric Trexler. How are you doing, Eric? Eric, I'm doing great. We've had so many great interviews today. Yeah, this has been an exciting day. So um, Discussions, you, really. Yes, discussions. Great discussions, great questions. If you um, haven't heard some of the past podcasts, the past few episodes, we are actually recording these in person, which has been really fun, as opposed to um, when Eric and I usually record them um, via video. And so we are very um, thrilled this week to have have uh, Assistant Secretary Karen Evans here, who is the Assistant Secretary for Cybersecurity, Energy Security, Emergency Response for the Department of Energy. Did I get the name completely right? Yes. Okay. That is the and name. That, okay. that is quite the name. The acronym is CSER. So you yes. can you can joke Caesar. around about that. Yes, people text me pictures of Caesar. They do really do. They really oh, that's do. That's funny. So first, congratulations. Thank you. Um, because this is a, a newly created position um, for the Department of Energy, and so you've been there about uh, six, six months. months. Okay. Um, so how's it going? First, how's the gig? Great it, start. It's it's very exciting. Um, I am the first Assistant Secretary. Uh, and it's always exciting to set up a new office, and it's really exciting because my leadership is um, recognizes the importance of security and national security as it relates to critical infrastructure and energy security. So Secretary Perry is um, really committed to, you know, energy security translates into national security, and he really takes that mission to heart, and so does all the leadership within the department. And how are we doing as it relates to critical infrastructure? Um, as far as the energy sector is concerned, uh, I feel like what I have learned, it's like drinking through a fire hose. Like, I imagine. It, it, yes. I mean, a lot of it is, is that you think that you know how critical infrastructure works until you're actually working in the sector. And that was one of the things that really attracted me to the job. So I was very excited to get into this area. Uh, I think there are a lot of strengths that are in the energy sector that they realize that the infrastructure obviously is owned by private sector, right? So the government doesn't own that. And they realize that there's a lot of strength in numbers of how they do things and they respond to natural disasters really well. So you see how well the um, energy infrastructure and the critical infrastructure responds like during a hurricane, right, or mm -hmm. during a tornado or any of those types of things. And so they're taking that same mindset and applying it to cybersecurity because in their mind it's just another response that they have to do in order to keep the power up for their constituents. Okay, okay. In the, in the 2000s, we had the, I guess they were blackouts, brownouts on the East Coast. Yes. Very scary times. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I know, you know, talking to my wife, she had people sleeping on the steps of buildings in New York City. A cybersecurity attack could provide the same level of outage. Sure. And so can a squirrel. Yeah. And so that really, I mean, seriously, it is True. that. That's a good point. Right. And so that's why Caesar is stood up because it's all hazards, man-made, natural. So, I mean, don't laugh, but squirrels can do a lot of damage to substations. And so I was at Energy the first go-around when um, those blackouts happened. And 
I was working on cybersecurity at that point. I was the chief information officer, and you're you're looking at it from the aspect of okay, there's a lot of things that are happening, and either it's a misconfiguration or maybe our adversaries really are testing out our ability to respond. And that that really is the secretary's greatest fear that he talks about is is that when a natural disaster is happening, that we have the information to be able to discern between the two of it's a natural issue. Um, here's how we have to respond versus it's a nation state that's actually testing our resilience. But what I'm hearing you say is at the end of the day, it still could be an outage and it really doesn't matter whether it's a squirrel or a nation state. Same problem. It's How the same we deal problem. with it, mm -hmm. similar. I mean, obviously, we have policy issues and things to, do, things to address when the squirrel isn't involved. Right. And, but it's and still a brownout or a blackout. It's still a brownout. And that's a it's problem. still a blackout. And what the energy sector is really good at doing is um, most of the time, especially like the incidences that you're talking about, they're they're regional, they're geographic, mm -hmm. right? That's one of the beauties of the grid of, of how right. it's constructed, right? And so what they have is mutual assistance agreements that they have set up across the board. So um, and you see it, especially when they are responding, you know, to a hurricane because you get the warning, right? You can see what the weather is going to be and they pre-position assets. And so they all help each other and they move, you know, resources around to deal with what the response is. Because at the end of the day, regardless of how it's happening, you it's still happening. have, it's happening. Yeah. And you have to be able to respond and you have to be able to restore mm -hmm. services because all the other services are depending on you. If you had a magic wand and you could fix one thing or change one thing, what would it be? In the energy sector as a whole? Sure. Let's not talk about getting a private <laughs> island to, for us for, to retire on it. Yeah. I mean, if, if you just, I mean, there's so much history there. You know, it's, it's so expansive, so critical. But if you could change one thing to make it more robust. So I, I would like um, to speed up machine-to-machine -machine learning mm -hmm. and machine-to-machine -machine, um, analytics. And, and the department really is moving in that direction with artificial intelligence and mm -hmm. being able to do it because um, humans have a, a, a place where they have to do some of the analytics, but there are a lot of things that as you're trying to figure out, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's a squirrel or whether it's a nation state, that you can actually take actions and machine-to-machine -machine actions could happen. And that then takes a lot of trust between all the infrastructure. I would say that, that the energy sector as a whole has a lot of trust built into it. They trust each other. They trust us as a sector-specific agency to do a lot of work. That trust model, we can't break that trust model. And so um, leveraging that even faster to be able to give them analytics in a faster way to be able to respond, that's how I would like to Okay. A common to, theme. I mean, we right. I was going to say, after we've been week, talking about this the past few Machine episodes, learning, machine to machine, human machine teaming. Mm -hmm. right. In fact, our CEO, Matt Moynihan, just spoke 15 minutes ago about getting the objective functions, addressing them from a machine perspective, right. having the subjective components of cybersecurity addressed by humans, because we don't have enough humans, right. enough trained humans. And we're never going to have enough humans, right. because the more and more we use technology and the more and more, and your CEO also talked, as well as, um, I think it was your chief technology officer talked about the trust models, right? right? Yeah. Okay. right. And so those, especially, which his talk really resonated to me, was he talked about a distributed trust model. That is exactly how the energy sector is set up, because we have electric, 
right? Then you have oil and natural gas, then you have downstream natural gas. So depending on whether you're talking about uh, generation, transmission, or distribution, um, they all have to trust each other. Mm -hmm. They're all interconnected. Because if any one part doesn't work, we have a problem. We have a problem. Yeah. And so, and as we become more and more energy self-sufficient as a nation, that means this, this then becomes even more critical and that trust relationship and that trust model and how they all work together is critical. And what we then, what we try to do as a department is bring to bear what the federal resources are as you're escalating up, how you did then do the communications. That's why we work very closely, obviously, with Department of Homeland Security, mm -hmm. who has all the critical infrastructure structure across the board. Um, but again, this is where the secretary, because based on statutory authorities that we have as a sector-specific agency and what the secretary is responsible for being able to do, he has to have information available to be able to make recommendations up to the president to say, we have a grid emergency. And when there's a grid emergency, there's like rules promulgated, but it's like, okay, we don't want to be figuring this out when we are actually saying there's a grid emergency. So there's a lot that we do through exercises with our other partners, both with private industry as well as the government as a whole. Um, because when you do those exercises, then you can then really test to see where are the gaps, and you want to close those gaps before the actual emergency happens. So then what keeps you up at night as a leader of, of Caesar? I want to be able to, um, actually I was up last night over. <laughs> Some of these things. So really? it's a great question. No, because a lot of it is, am I thinking about what are all the legal frameworks mm. that we need to have? Because we rely so much on private industry. 90% of this infrastructure is owned by private industry. So I really, what keeps me up is making sure that the legal frameworks are right, that um, those partnerships are in place, that we've looked at what are the different aspects of sharing that information so that we don't break the trust model that we have in place. Interesting. It's, it's not just about energy. It's about trust. Yes. It's about yes. working with the others. Yes. And, and no one entity has the power. And everybody has to work everybody well. Everybody has to work well. And your CEO talked about this this morning in his keynote, which when he was talking about organizations that look from the inside out mm -hmm. or from the outside in, um, we really are the organization that has to look from the outside in. In order for me to be successful, it's all about our partnerships with private industry. And so that's an outside in model. And what do they need from the government in order to be successful, in order to meet? that critical need for the nation. More how do you help them yeah. as opposed to how do you tell them what to do. Yeah, and the goal is not really to tell them what to do. Right. And so your CEO is very clear about what's the mission and what are you trying to accomplish, right? And what we're very focused on is what's the national security aspect for the nation so there's, you know, what do we need to be able to do as it relates to the grid for power? What are the critical resources that the nation needs to have in place? So that's why we work with DOD, right? And we have the defense critical energy infrastructure efforts that we work on. And then my uh, sister organization, which is the Office of Electricity, is working on um, the North American resiliency model so that we know, okay, these are the 10% of the assets that are across the board that we need to have from a telecommunications, from a finance perspective. So all these initiatives are underway so that we can function as a nation. Because if it's not the squirrel and it's a nation state, 
We need to have right. resources that are functioning as a nation, right? Talk about disruption. That would be huge disruption. And so so those those efforts are underway. And but that's only a small portion. So even if you start looking at what can DOD do, DOD can do a lot with inside their fence, right? The minute you get outside their fence, their physical fence, how many days can they actually keep that asset up and running um, within the fence? The minute they're outside the fence, they're in private industry. And so that's where my office comes into play about, okay, so now how does that work? And how do we make sure that all that information is flowing bi-directionally? What are we looking at from a research and development perspective so that we are leaping ahead so that we can then get our stuff out into the commercial sector based on the solutions that they're gonna be buying? Sounds like you're up at night just because you're incredibly busy. It's a big well, job. That, it, There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on there's a lot that that we're thinking about it's a very exciting time right I think when because you brought up 2000s so those of us who were in government back then as well you know I think all of us remember PDD 63 and HSPD 7 and all those other things but I think we're in the next you know as you look at it this is the next evolution of what critical infrastructure is and so I'm really excited to be leading this office because you you know what does it mean to be the sector-specific agency when the infrastructure is critical, but it's all owned by private sector? And and how do you meet that critical mm-hmm. need for the nation um, while you're doing what you have to do from a national security perspective for the nation, but you then are relying on private industry? Do you think that other um, departments will take the lead of Department of Energy and have a sector-specific um, office? I think... Um, if when we're successful in how we are moving through this, I think you're going to see, for example, um, HHS uh, when they were going forward, I was going right? To, they're they're doing that today, mm-hmm. and they have um, Congress has recognized the need for health and safety, right? And so has the national cyber strategy going forward. That's one of the seven critical areas. So when you look at the health and safety, and you look at how technology is so pervasive in that area, like you know they just released a thing about pacemakers and all this mm-hmm. other stuff right, like yep, that, yep, right? Yep. So um, th- they're another one where Congress has said, hey, you need to really step out as a sector specific agency and really how do you help that industry and there are things that they've done as it relates to the office of the national coordinator with standards and those types of things and when you develop those then the next phase of that is okay so how did how is it actually being implemented and then how do we share information in a trusted model and you talk about you know where personally identifiable information is like that's huge right in that sector that's going to be huge and so um, that's another Mm -hmm. uh, department that they're starting to move out and I think a lot of the things that we're learning internally from the government's perspective of how to do that is um, we will leverage that across into the different sectors I mean DHS has a lot and we all work under that overall umbrella but, but there are some agencies like us like HHS like Treasury, um, you know, and then you're always going to have justice because of the law enforcement aspect of what they're doing in those particular areas that we will all complement and then be able to feed the overall risk profile for the nation. Very different role for government agencies than we saw 50, 100 years ago. 
Absolutely. Very different. Much more collaborative. Yes, it is. And so that's why your, again, your CEO's talk really resonated with me. I hope a lot of people have taken that away because um, that whole outside looking in, the very traditional it's model huge. of security, right, is always, I'm going to build a moat. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have a firewall. Doesn't work with cloud and, and IoT. And it doesn't work with that, right? And IoT. Well, the best policy that ever came about, and I saw it on one of the slides a, a while ago in the previous administration, was bring your own device to work. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's awesome, right? Because it destroys the whole paradigm. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, and Silicon Valley gets this, Austin, wherever the innovation, you know, where all these different ideas are, because they're all at the edge. And so when you look at things that energy is doing, so I I have to bring this up because I'm so excited about this, which is our Advanced Manufacturing Institute. Um, And so we're partnered with our Energy Efficiency Office and Renewables, right? So it's EERE. But um, that is our long play. So the department is putting up uh, close to $70 million for this to look at how do you take the innovation you know, so you want a smart light bulb, right? And you want your house to have solar panels and you want all this. Well, that's also a really cool attack vector if, you know, that's like, true. right? And so you can look and you can get a map and we're getting ready to do the census and you can do all this. You can sit there and see like, oh boy, if I, I could map out the whole United States of who's living where and what. I just had a solar company come in last week. See? And they're online and will monitor your system for you and you can monitor it. I said, what if I don't want you to? Well, you get a lower fidelity of, you know, with our mon- with when you monitor than what we get. I'm like, yeah, but think about I don't what, want you knowing everything about right. me but and now, everybody else. But think about what they're thinking about doing in California. Because I just, like I was at my um, boss's hearing yesterday over this. California then, because if you look at the energy sector and how this works, yeah. they're saying, okay, I have all these renewables on all these different houses. So they're looking at a new market where if you're not using energy on your house because you have solar, you can actually now start selling the reserved you can, you energy can Maryland too. and you can yeah. sell it yeah. right so like that's really cool that's, yeah that's you don't cool. want to stop it's distributed that. power it's it's awesome the security challenges are well see now we're here to where your cto talked <laughs> right. about yeah. the distributed trust model right and so if you really want to take advantage of all these really cool technologies to be able like your house could do all this really cool stuff right now the house can also be a sensor for me because all i need is data to know what's happening on the sector. I don't need to deploy hardware because it's already there. Mm -hmm. Yes, all I need to do is collect the data and now we're back to machine to machine and analyzing analyzing the data. That's our next podcast, Erica. There we go. There you go. (laughs) So I have one final question because I know you have a big job that you have to get back to. (laughs) You can tell I'm very excited about this. I am also. Okay. So um, something um, that I think is really cool that Forcepoint has done for this um, cybersecurity summit that they are having is that they have five scholarships that they gave to the emerging workforce, um, four of which came from... uh, colleges, four students came from colleges that had won the DOE um, cyber um, yes. <laughs> competition. So very cool. So from University of Central Florida uh-huh. and from um, Brigham Young. Young. Yes. Um, so they are all, they're, they're here. The four of them are here today um, attending the conference, getting to meet. Um, I think we have a folks. regional yeah. p- pair of regional yeah, winners and a national, and a national winner. winner. Yeah. And a national UC, winner. Yeah, was yeah. a national winner. Right. So in terms of, you know, 
operating a, and, and standing up an office like Caesar, how do you address those workforce challenges? We know that there's still, um, you know, just it's still a challenge to bring new talent into the cybersecurity field. Well, so um, prior to taking over this job, what, one of the big things that I did when I left federal government the first time was really work, focused on workforce issues and focused on cybersecurity in particular. Uh, so that was over 10 years ago. And so all of this, is the, none of this is a technology issue. We all know that. It's, it's always going to be a human capital. It's always going to be a people issue. Mm -hmm. And so um, the other thing that my office has is the cyber competition for DOE. So we have the workforce okay. um, issues. They're also mm -hmm. in my area. Oh, Exercises. Okay. Okay. So that whole competition yep. is my competition. Yep. Yeah, it's Well, awesome. they were very excited. I went to dinner with the students last night. It was a little bit over my cyber head. I wasn't invited. <laughs> Probably could have helped out. You could have helped out. That was a lot I mean, of they were talking about how great the competition was. They do it at, at the actual at the labs. labs. Yes. And so it was really exciting. I mean, and the competitions are actually so the labs try to compete with each other um, as well. But the competition is also very specifically focused on the energy sector mm -hmm. and, and the control systems and the SCADA systems um, and the operational technology that I was talking about earlier. So it's very focused on that. And so what we're in the process of doing is really scaling that out because um, it has been focused at the collegiate level. And one of the biggest things as I've worked through, because I used to work on the U.S. Cyber Challenge, and one of the biggest things is what happens now. Next, mm -hmm. And you have to answer the question for them about what happens next. Like, how do we stay right. actively engaged? How, you know, how do I get into the workforce? How do I be able to do a bunch of different things? So um, DHS at that point through the Science and Technology Directorate had helped fund the U.S. Cyber Challenge. And one of the big things that we did was set up a social networking platform for them. Um, so that they could stay actively oh. engaged. So they could communicate. And okay. Yes, in a trusted environment. In a trusted yeah. environment. Right, <laughs> where, where they, they own it. And so, as you know, working with this particular group of people, um, it's all about competition, and it's also um, about uh, networking mm -hmm. and, and who is actually the smartest and how can we then mm. interact, right? And you have to build the trust in that platform so that uh, they'll continue to contribute and, and, and interact. So it's, it's like, um, you know, we call it like LinkedIn meets. Oh, uh, okay you know, um, e-harmony. So, because, I mean, there's a lot of it. No, seriously, there is a lot of this um, that the way that we constructed certain things was that they compete as individuals, but you work as a team. So when you would come into these boot camps, oh, I see. yeah, we didn't allow them to pick their own teams because then they would pick their friends. Right, they their would friends. pick their friends, yeah, right? Yeah, and what are you really going to learn from mm -hmm. that? And when you compete for a job, you don't get to pick who you work with. That's right. what we told them. Like you, you don't. <laughs> and so Thanks, you compete. You compete as an individual. You win as an individual, but you have to perform as a team. As a team. Right. And so that's really what it's about and working on that. And so then they either like jump in and they either help each other or like they fall flat on their face. Most of the time in this area, what you find mm -hmm. is they will jump in and help mm -hmm. each other. Yeah, no, just last night I could hear the collaboration. Yes. Um, and so there's a lot so. because they mm -hmm. realize like, okay, there's so much that I know, but the competition spurs them on so that um, they want to find out who's smarter than they are. 
which is very unique in this area. And so I just heard on the radio, though, so I'm going to go try to find this, this group of girls that just won the competition within, I think it's within Maryland or whatever, for the robotics competition. Oh. It's an all-girls team. And so, yeah, it's really pretty cool. Awesome. Very nice. Yes, it's very nice. And what we also found out through this is girls have a tendency, they'll collaborate virtually. They didn't necessarily like to get together and collaborate physically. Um, until you started bringing them into the camp. So like when we first started rolling out a lot of these competitions in my previous life, girls would always win the top spots. They And they were just competing for like gap cards. When you cards. get them in. No, when they could be like, no one knew who they were. Right, right. Oh, virtually. Yeah, yeah. So no one knew, like they had some pseudonym out there, right? And so nobody knew who they were. So the first time we ran several of these competitions, they were like competing for gap cards. Okay, like we said, oh, we'll, we'll mail you a hundred dollar gap card, and and like the top winners from all these competitions, they were all girls. They wanted these gap cards. It was like it was. It was very interesting. Then we kind of switched over when we switched the the things to like um, buying off of eBay or Amazon, mm -hmm. so you could buy like equipment and stuff. Then the demographics changed Change. again. Yes. Yes. So it was all like, okay, what is the right motivation and what is the language that you're using to attract them in? And so that's a lot of like, how do you get the diversity? Right. How are you going to get, um, you know, girls to like step up? And the whole idea is for it to be like, it's a cool thing to do. Right. right? right you want exactly. it to be, a, exactly. it's a cool thing to do. I mean, if you looked at this from a sports perspective, and we said, ooh, the headline is United States takes bronze. Oh my God, there would be outrage across the United States, right? But when we were running a lot of these competitions, DOD would run competitions. When they opened it up internationally, United States fell to like third, fourth place. Mm -hmm. If, if it was basketball or football, there would be outrage. <laughs> right. It would be outrage. And so, you know, using those sports analogies and trying to get people involved, like everybody is competitive. And who the, our whole nation is about competitive. Thumbs up, thumbs down, yep. three stars, five stars. Yep. So you build on that because they want to be the best. They don't want to be one of a thousand. They want to be number one. That they, is great insight. Yeah, they want to be number one. Okay. That is well. Thank you so much. Um, this was great. This was. I hope you will come back and join us. Well, and, thanks for having me. I feel like we me. have so much more. We could keep talking. About. I appreciate it. So I thank appreciate you so it. much. It was fun. Um, you can do just, an audio book. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I appreciate it. Thank you thank again you, for inviting thank me. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in this week, and we appreciate you continuing to listen to to the point cybersecurity. Thanks, and have a great week. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 